Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents. Oh, nice, Christo. I'm here Nailed with it. Christo. How's it going? We've got David on the decks, per usual. Hey, David. So today we head out Philip Dortel, who's the precinct director at Tonsley. What do you mm-hmm. know about Tonsley, Christo? Uh, I know it's an old car manufacturing plant, mm-hmm. and they gutted it, and they rebuilt it, and now it's a cool little community space. I know a bit, so we looked at actually moving out there a few years mm-hmm. ago. Um, we were pretty keen on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the reasons why we were keen, I think we, we spoke about with Philip in this chat, um, community was a big one for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely a massive focus on community. It sounds like they're drawing like a lot of you know really interesting people in and kind of forcing them to interact and building some really cool spaces. Working in a co-working kind of space, obviously it's a bit different to an innovation precinct, but in, a, in an area where I suppose we're cross-pollinating with other businesses have you found that interesting um as an employee yeah 100 percent. yeah no like i love having all these different people here and chatting about you know because i'm a developer but having designers and business accountants like lawyers and kind of sharing ideas and seeing what different people do like yeah it's like i'm actually actually a massive reason i kind of love working at whatso is just having all the community and all the different people and i think uh tonsi is kind of that just on the next level right just yeah, like taking it out to a bigger area yes philip was super passionate about the community um building a space for like a lot of collaboration and I think about talking about the future of South Australia, and I was quite interested to ask him, uh, coming from Germany originally, his thoughts on South Australia as an outsider. Yeah, 100%, especially Adelaide, yeah, specifically. Cool. So uh, let's jump in with Philip. Hope you enjoy. Enjoy, guys. Hey, Philip, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Nice to meet you and nice to be here. How are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, well, welcome to our uh, our little space here. So, uh Tonsley is, is, is where you where you play? That's right. Lovely place down there. Cool. So um, I suppose I think all of our local listeners here in SA probably have a fairly good idea of, of what's happening in Tonsley. But for those that don't, tell us a bit more about, about the space. Yeah, sure. So um, you want to have the long version, the short version? Let's have that. Yeah. Let's start with, let's start the, from the start and see yeah. where we go. The medium version, yeah. I think. <laughs> and, and actually what you're just saying is, is actually uh, not always true. So there's still a lot of people out there who know, do not know much about sure. uh, Tonsley. And uh, Seems to be an Adelaide thing that uh, people don't like to move uh, too far out of their yeah. area where they, they live and work. Um, but for those who haven't been on site, uh, it is 10 kilometers south of the Adelaide CBD, mm-hmm. and it is the former uh, Mitsubishi car manufacturing plant. And uh, if you know about the decline of the auto industry in Australia, that was actually the start. So uh, Mitsubishi was the first uh, car manufacturer mm-hmm. that uh, pulled the plug, and that was in 2008. And uh, and funny enough, um, the end of the decline of the car industry um, finished uh, north of Adelaide with the Holden site. So it actually went uh, the full circle across the, the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, and that's why we are a bit ahead of the game in terms of redeveloping and repurposing uh, old car manufacturing sites and plants. And um, yeah. because the same situation now happens in other places like uh, Victoria and Fisherman's Bend and, and those areas where okay. you had uh, former car manufacturing plants. I had people from South Korea um, coming to um, Tonsley to see um, how it's been done because they have the same issue. So um, I think you see a huge trend away from uh well it's actually two extremes one is the mega factory like the ones you've seen with tesla in the desert yeah um but then the other trend is towards micro manufacturing and uh and basically that means just the final assembly quality control and logistics of um, the products and services you make and um 
And basically, this is what Tons is all about. It is uh, moving away from one employer that employs thousands, as they did. And at peak times, um, there was around six and a half thousand people. And what you then actually want to do is to make those precincts uh, much more resilient by having the one-man band in the startups, the scale-ups with 30 people, the larger ones uh, with around 130 people or more. And uh, that actually builds a nice critical mass as well. And just to put that in context, in uh, you know, at the moment we have around fourteen hundred people working on site. And um, in uh, two thousand eight, the last thousand workers left. So we are already um, past and beyond the point of creating uh, more jobs mm. than at the time of Mitsubishi's uh, Mitsubishi's closure. Yeah, that's okay. a hard word. And um, and that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, in addition to that, actually, in fact, we have uh, six and a half thousand students, mm-hmm. um, partially with uh, TAFE SA, who consolidated most of their trades training down there. And then we have um, uh, Flinders University with mm-hmm. the College of Science and Engineering based in there as well. So um, that builds quite a critical mass um, as, as we speak. And so essentially the vision was taking this, you know, quite a large area, right, and repurposing it and putting it back to work and, and, and creating sort of a microcosm of, of industries together that can kind of, I suppose, grow as a, as a community. I'm really interested in that community aspect of it because yep. I think, so um, for the listeners, we, we looked at Tonsley um, as, a, as a place where we could potentially go a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love the vision then and I still do. Um, and I think what got caught me was businesses like ours, you know, 10 to 15 people were often sitting off in a silo wherever we might be in the CBD or on the outskirts. But we don't really have the opportunity on a daily uh, basis to go and, you know, chat with other people that are doing interesting things. So that's really what drew me, uh, I think, initially. So how much has community been a part of what you're building? And that is so much spot on. And, and you're, you're absolutely right in, in terms of the, the most important part is about building a community. And uh the community is now based um, uh, around more than just the the industry part. Um, I think the really interesting thing is if you bring, if you merge um, a university or the uni campus with the industrial park or developments yeah. with the the startup hubs all together. So what you then actually achieve is that um, a great uh, exchange of knowledge mm-hmm. um, from from training, science, education. Um, you have a great mentoring effect from the startups and the scale-ups and the established ones. And um, and that connectedness is actually the only way how we can sustain in the future in terms of uh, creating jobs in, in, in uh, overall. Because what used to work in the past that you, as you said, working in isolation is not working anymore. Um, the product life cycles have uh, shortened that much. You cannot do it on your own anymore. And, um, and that's where you need to um, partner on some projects where you may even compete on other projects. Yep. And I think uh, having, having that mindset is, is absolutely critical. And we see, we see today, um, since the um, Tonsley is now grown up and is, is uh, in its seventh year, wow. um, effectively the project started in 2012, but the first couple of years were a lot of dirt and dust flying around, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, but what is evident now is that uh, projects are formed that wouldn't have been formed individually. Because what happens in the normal world is each year you go on your strategy day or week or whatever you call it, you have your whiteboard sessions mm. and you say, okay, now we're making uh, this product yellow instead of blue and then we make make uh, attach this to that. You sort of have in- incremental changes or, or yeah. um 
uh, in, in that sense. And that gets you to a certain point in terms of growing your mm -hmm. business. But if you do something and you accidentally bump into somebody that does something completely different mm -hmm. and under no circumstances you would have planned to meet with that individual. Yeah. Um, but suddenly you say what you're doing and he or she says what she's doing and you go, wait a minute, if we combine your stuff with my stuff, mm. we can create X. Yeah. And, um, and this is how actually projects are formed. Um, there's an interesting example um, just recently where a lecturer from TAFE want to sort of uh, use new technologies to reach, reach the, um, the students. And the virtual reality uh, is certainly now on the rise and a really yeah. interesting tool for, for training education. Mm. But he had no idea about it. He went around and had a look um, what's what's around, but literally bumped into a startup um, based at Tonsley as well, um, who is just working that field. And um, six months later, he's running all the training now, or right. a lot of that with uh, virtual reality. We do live recording of the live construction site at Tonsley. So mm. we play our part in that and suddenly, um, that ecosystem really truly delivers on that uh, benefit of co-location. So, so ecosystems are a cool word there, and I think so. This this idea of cross pollination, right? So we can see with you know, especially the tech world. So you know, the Googles, the Atlassians of the world, they, <coughs> they they've grasped onto this concept of agile project teams and, and creating open spaces within you know a big organization. So that same thing can happen, right? So you know, the the YouTube team might be talking to the Gmail team, and all of a sudden they've got whatever right so and this is taking that outside of one organization and bringing it into a, a bigger kind of area isn't it that's absolutely right and uh, i can tell you another key thing is that you're often trying to achieve that within one organization as you just described um what we actually have is uh, we call it a related variety of industry that we have on site mm. so um there used to be uh the cluster model where you say all of the clean tech companies yeah. we put here yeah, or yeah. I mean, this is where Silicon Valley in some way started as yeah. well, yep, just software-based focus. And there's a, a huge potential of having those like-minded people from the kind of the same industry coming together yeah. and, um, and, and moving talent and resources and things like that. The, beauty thing, uh, the beautiful thing about Tonsley is, is um, where, we, where we talk about this relative variety of industry where you have um, certain numbers of sectors coming together in one spot and that's where the real magic happens and uh, that's where the the medical sensor that that detects something in your blood suddenly detects something in the mining side mm. and i think when we talk about growth of businesses um the the word associated with growth is often diversification of the businesses okay. and uh and that's exactly bringing it back to the point i mentioned earlier is that um you may grow to a certain point in the things you do the way you do it and mm. you may win new customers or clients and things like that but even if you're a manufacturer of products and you supply one sector and suddenly you uh, like let's say the mining sector and suddenly you see about the things in in uh, in the medical space or vice versa that's where that's where the true potential lies and i think that's where um and that's what we do it tonsley quite carefully is how you actually curate um and facilitate um, those precincts, or in this case, Tonsley, in the first place. So, uh, and and the way to describe is that we have a suitability assessment in place, which means yeah. um, we're not letting anybody in. And uh, 
that's that shouldn't sound too exclusive either, um, because usually it's quite self-selecting in a way. Yeah, yeah. But um, if you are a, a call center with three hundred people in there um, doing phone calls, we don't need that. Yeah. If you have a storage and warehouse facility and you want to buy and get uh, four thousand square meter in Tonsley. Well, it's really tempting to sell the land because we have certain targets to meet as well. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't benefit the, the wider community. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, we want to um, attract businesses and organizations where um, the existing business owners tap on our shoulder and say, well done, with this business next door, um, we can really, they complement us. We can really do great things now. And, um, and that actually happens in the, in the current generation that existing business owners um, talk to their current existing um, uh, partners, yeah. uh, suppliers, and uh, and actually help us in driving that investment traction. So I'm interested to know, I suppose, so going through this process of, of selecting interesting parallels and, and, and creating that ecosystem, what's the next step in terms of curating that community? Because I know that, you know, you can put, you know, two like or two good industry parallels next to each other, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to connect. So yeah. what, in terms of Tonsley, what do you do to sort of help facilitate that? Yeah, so we have we have a number of measures in place, I guess, um, on a, on a um, smaller scale to the larger scale. So the firstly, I mean, the first thing that starts with is we have um, regular get-togethers. Um, I call it, it's like going to church, and you don't need to be religious with that, um, I'm not either, but uh, basically it's a, it's a regular get-together, okay. um, in this case every two months, mm-hmm. um, where we have uh, the updates of Tonsley. So I think it's really important for uh, a large site, in this case a 61 hectare site, which is almost like a mini city. Yeah. Uh, people want to stay engaged and understand uh, what's happening and what's mm-hmm. going on, because there's lots of going on. But then usually we invite um, external speakers as well, and um, but most importantly, people then uh, enjoy some some networking uh, over drinks and stuff. So that's really our um, Tonsley connections. That's our exclusive um, Tonsley members get together in a sense, and sometimes invite um, uh, guests to that as well. Um, we then have uh, um, we have a you know, world-class squash court in there. So we have the corporate squash cup um, where teams play against each other. Um, We have uh, fitness classes three days uh, a week, um, you know, those three days actually in the morning and in lunchtime. So um, we're actually exercising together uh, over Mm -hmm. fitness boxing or other um, training sessions. And and that really um, brings the people together in in a great sense. Yeah, definitely. the other thing, and that's where Tonsley is, in fact, uh, the most awarded innovation precinct in Australia, if not in the world, is the space itself mm, I was say. is designed in a way that it supports collaboration. Yep. Really critical. There's lots of innovation precincts out there, but at the end of the day, it's it's one or two or three or more buildings on a certain space, but there's no no civic space that actually connects those buildings. There, there might be a canteen or cafeteria on the fifth floor of this building. Yep. There might be another... Uh, shop somewhere else so people still walk into these precincts go into the offices and walk out again they never bump into each other literally mm-hmm. and for those who haven't been to Tonsley yet and here's the invitation to go and see it, mm-hmm. is that if you think of the um, the big six one hectare site in the middle really um, is the main assembly building and it's this large roof structure that uh, we kept them preserved. And the uh, main assembly building is it called because that's that used to be the main assembly line. Mm. And under that big roof structure, we've built these quirky pots and tenancies uh, to start with. But then also we have um, two of the retail 
area sitting in there, plus the central forest and other forests in there as well. That means um, whether you are a scientist within Flinders Uni working on the fifth floor, or you're working in the, sh in the workshop further away of the Siemens uh, uh, building, you're actually forced to grab your sandwich or your coffee to walk into those specific spaces. Mm. And trust me, if you bump into the same person a third, part, third time lining up for your sushi roll or whatever, you really sort of break the ice and start a conversation. And suddenly, yeah, um, yeah the conversations flow and, and uh, the effect actually comes into play what I described earlier. So um, while you can do a lot with networking functions and really trying to bring them together, create a space that actually supports and invites for that. And, uh, and that's quite critical as well. And, and that space is, well, the cafe area, as I just mentioned, but we have squash courts, table tennis, basketball. Yeah. So it's actually um, people really using those those facilities and, and spaces. And um, uh, yeah, so as much as you, we do in terms of events and functions and things, the space itself is absolutely critical. It's about like everyday interactions as well. Absolutely. Uh, have you been up there, Krista? Yeah, yeah, I have. I love yeah. the forest, actually. It's cool. I, I, that. And I think that space, for people that haven't been there, it's kind of hard to sort of grasp. You think of an old sort of, uh, manufacturing plant, but mm. it, it, it really does have a green feel to it. And it, yeah, it does have, you know, quite, I think, that one, yeah. It's one really of the open space as well. Open and all, all year round that you can spend time outside there. Yeah, and now here comes the, um, sorry to jump to one thing here, which just jumped into my mind, in fact. Um, if you think what you just mentioned earlier is, is bringing different business people together, and then I, I just expanded into the science research education dimension. Well, we actually can add another dimension to it, which is the, the normal community, the general community. So, Tonsley yeah, yeah. used to be a 61 hectare fenced off site that divided suburbs in a, in a great way. You couldn't go through there unless you worked in there. Yeah. Suddenly it's become an open space and the main assembly building in particular, quite a porous space. Mm. In fact, we have uh, on rainy days, we have uh, families bring the kids with their push bikes and go around there yeah. or skateboards. Um, that said, skateboards are not allowed anymore. <laughs> I, I should know. say that. Um, so. <laughs> being a skateboarder myself in the past, that's a bit hard to tell, but anyway. Um, and uh, here's now the critical thing why I'm so focusing on that uh, community piece as well is um, A, in the area of, uh, or the buzzwords around co-design, co-creation, I think it's really an interesting opportunity to bring the community along to your R&D uh, work as a, as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I can give you some examples on the uh, Global Center for Modern Aging there as, an, as, an, as, a, as a case. but. The other thing as an innovation precinct uh, or district, the right term for that, is that innovation and automation, AI, robotics, all those buzzwords we now hear every day mm. may sound exciting to some, but it may sound really scary to the average person. Yeah. Will this take my job away? And I, and I think we have those headlines in the newspaper as well, especially sure. on and AI, uh, artificial intelligence, and uh, the lawyer is unemployed in the next 10 years or whatever. Sure. Mm. Accountants, yeah. um, so how do you address that? And the same goes for future mobility or, or autonomous mobility or um, future fuels like hydrogen, um, mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned offline earlier. Yeah. So what a better way to actually uh, invite the community to come yeah. and experience that. And, and that's why we call Tonsley the 61 hectare playground uh, for industry and research to come and test and trial in real life. Yeah, cool. 
and actually take the community along to that journey as well. Um, I mean, if you are a car manufacturer, you, you build your prototypes, you crash them against the wall. If you make an iPhone, you put them in the freezer, you, you heat them up to see when they explode and mm -hmm. uh, do the abuse testing, whatever. Mm -hmm. But any trends that um, affect our life, uh, future mobility, future aging, future connectivity, uh, um, the, these are things you just can not trial in an office or in a, in a, in a lab. Yeah. So given that Tons is almost like a mini city, um, fairly large, where uh, soon we actually have the first residents living there in less than two months. Oh, wow, uh, that's cool. the next dimension of that. Yeah. Is There's a huge opportunity, and we're actually delivering on that in a, in a great detail to say, don't be scared of autonomous mobility. We have now uh, two live trials uh, happening down there, which mm -hmm. is a four-seater shuttle under this big roof, mm -hmm. um, sharing the, the path with other pedestrians. And, uh, and one going on the actual road um, and come and experience the future of mobility in this case. And we soon have the same uh, on producing hydrogen on site. Wow. And immediately people may go, wait a minute, hydrogen, that's dangerous or something. But um, it's actually the next step to decarbonize um, our, our gas uh, consumption. We, we're already doing it with uh, electricity. Mm. We all have solar panels on our roofs. We mm. now think of putting maybe a battery in place because the feed-in tariff is not as good as it used to be. Um, so that's another way of decarbonizing our ele electricity consum consumption. So um, with the demonstrator in, in Tonsley in producing green hydrogen, mm. where we actually split water into hydrogen and oxygen cool. and use the hydrogen as, a, as an energy source, mm -hmm. which is uh, and will become a, a huge export potential for whole of Australia wow. yeah. um, and South Australia in particular. It, these are these are the things that are really interesting. Where um, inviting the community, in, in, such as the Tonsley Open Day, where we had ten thousand people, yeah. um, you know, see, touch, feel, um, basically things. the future, yeah. and and Tonsley providing the platform for that exchange, which is uh, to me quite uh, quite uh, inspiring. And um, and another way it is is not just to uh, educate the people on the future; is actually getting those future leaders, those kids interested in those those it. science yeah. and technology, the STEM, as we as we say, yeah. because, um, you know, I never went to school in Australia, I went to school in Germany, but even there, they didn't do a great job in, in getting me excited about these fields. Mm. And, and I think uh, the more you can bring it down to a tangible level, um, that's another great educational piece that we can actually drive um, giving, giving this asset we have. And I think you make a good point around, especially around some of this future technology that, you know, if you just believe what you read in the newspaper or, you know, on, on Facebook or wherever it might be, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a tangible reality of what's actually out there, right? So coming into Tonsley and seeing the autonomous uh, vehicles that you've got cruising around on, in MAB and also the bus that's, you know, it's like, wow, this is, this is not this is some real. future fantasy yeah. that, mm -hmm. you know, Rara is going to cause, you know, it's like, wow, we can actually trial this and, and see it in real life. So I think it's really cool to get people in and actually experiencing that firsthand. Absolutely. Because the thing is, um, you can't, you can't, um, you can't fight the future. No, that's right. It, it's going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, for a small state like South Australia, let's, um, Let's embrace it and yeah, uh, yeah. and participate in that in that development. We will, you know, on, on most of those trends, we will not become the world leader. Um, no. The world is just uh, way too big for that. But um, uh, participating and also being uh, in, in a great detail part of the development and uh, making the products and services on those future trends, uh, we still or not we still 
we actually do have that potential in our in our state. So that is that is the the good news. So from your perspective, and I, I'm quite interested in in hearing sort of people that didn't grow up necessarily in in South Australia's perspective coming in. Like, what do you see the future of our state, and what, what do you see as the 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 positives that we have here in SA in in this space? Yeah, I think you are. Um, the, the 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 fun fact is that uh, nobody knows Adelaide, nobody knows South Australia. Yeah. That's where it starts, and that makes it <laughs> yeah. really hard in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can quote my um, uh, professor when I finished um, up in Munich, and uh, he failed me well by saying, "Good luck in Adelaide." I said, no, 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 it's not a lake; it's actually Adelaide. But don't worry, it doesn't matter. Well, we could we could rebrand. Yeah, that we might could, work. We like Adelaide, just nice. build a lake. Um, so get the tourists. Um, so I think that's the. Uh, I think there's a good side and a bad side to yeah, that. I yeah. think, and we we hear that quite often. Um, but so we, we have a bit of that underdog mentality. We have a bit of an underdog yeah. mentality. But actually, what that actually happened is that suddenly we've become a, a very interesting test bed um, for for those future developments because we are yeah. small, small and, and agile in a way. And yep. the reason that we suddenly have. Uh, um, Elon Musk twittering, twittering around a uh, big battery and we actually truly delivering those things is um, whether you like these projects or not. But it, we're suddenly overnight playing in the world stage here on some of those things. Yeah. And uh, and the good thing is that we, um, when you th- think of when you com- when you think of SA or South Australia compared to the other states, you can almost see there's we as a as a startup mentality compared to the old established ones, the old established businesses. So um, I think there is uh, a true, also within the state government, a true willingness to try something else. And I think there's, um, well, it just has to be like that because the traditional is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So um, it's not about reinventing yourself in a way um, because there's many things that you've done very well and we hopefully continue doing well. Um, but now really saying, okay, let's not, let's not f- trying to follow the status quo. We are, we can now, we are small and nimble enough to actually then just jump to the next stage. And I think that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. That's where we have those exciting conversations around um, uh, space. That's where yeah. we have uh, leading AI institutes now uh, in, in the States. That's where we will continue in, in uh, producing the best uh, uh, food and beverages, I guess, in you know for some in some reasons in the world. Mm. Um, so that that's where we then start having some uh, geographical advantages, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think um, the the one piece where we said nobody knows Adelaide, I think that's that's still overall what we need to work on, and because that comes down to the tourism, I think, yeah. to great detail, and yeah. uh, I mean. You can, I mean, those who, who grew up here and they travel different places, they always say, oh, finally I'm back in Adelaide. And it's mm. a bit like that. And, and I think um, nobody really sort of understands or takes it for granted of the, 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 the beauty and, and nature we have in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just returned, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago from a Bali holiday, mm. being surrounded by these plastic bottles. And you go, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> I'm living in Marino, having the best beaches in front of me. Why would I actually fly all the way to Bali and, and sort of be surrounded by plastic bottles? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think that's that's an that's an asset we can f- certainly slightly more exploit. But uh, 
I guess we're all a bit precious on uh, our beaches and, and not having too many of those tourists. But uh, how much yeah. do you think population plays into it? So you know, trying to—I—I I think I read an article you wrote about um, you know population density and trying to—if you know—we're looking at Tonsley and people moving in there and, and people changing the way they work and, and more people moving into the city, which is has been good for I think the city and what's happened here in the CBD because traditionally we didn't have that population density growth at all here. Yeah. Um, but do you see that? You know, we've got Melbourne, Sydney growing at these kind of incredibly fast rates, whereas Adelaide is a little bit behind that. How do we, how do we counter that? And is it about a PR piece around Adelaide and, and trying to attract talent here from elsewhere? Yeah, I think we can. Um, I mean, and any city usually needs growth to further um, um, uh, exist, or as, as as soon as that's sort of um, stagnating, if that's the right word. Um, things can go downhill fairly quickly. Mm. But I think we, we need to be creative on how we resolve that because the, the key benefits of what I just described uh, and the 20-minute city and the, the ease of living, the, the cost of living, which is compared to the rest of Australia, are still uh, quite low. Yeah. Mm. Um, so so re, we really currently enjoy a way of life given it's a smaller uh, population, I guess. So I think the key challenge indeed, and I don't have the real answer or the, the real solution mm -hmm. to that, is um, how we can actually grow the city while maintaining that yeah. uh, and preserving that kind yeah. of uh, 20 minutes mindset and uh, everybody knows everyone. It's uh, yeah. But maybe part of that is, is, is keeping things niche. I, I went to the, um, uh, forgive me, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the World's Greatest Networking event two years ago at Tonsley, so the long table event that you yeah, had. Yeah. The, um, so, and I, I talked to quite a lot of uh, engineering students from from flinders but yep. i think like those students at flinders that are studying robotics or studying you know um engineering it, it's much more enticing for them to stay locally when they can literally see you know whoever it might be across the road doing incredible stuff and it, it as you know it's, it's there and it's visceral and there's yep. cool things happening yep. as opposed to it sort of being you know off elsewhere so yep. you'll, you'll run away to london or melbourne or wherever yep. it might be to get those experiences yeah now so i think um what you just described is that, um, and that's often the the future work live in place is quite used uh, yeah. terms in, in, uh, around that. Um, what you see with the old established cities is they've grown from history. What that means is that it's not a long time ago that um, the traditional model of the, how the city worked is that you had the the um, manufacturing and industry in one part of town and there was these big chimneys and smoke coming out of them and it was the dirty part of the city then mm. you lived in another part and then there was the CBD area and the banking district and that sort of thing and uh, that's how we had to divide up uh, how people uh, live, work and play in some respect um, but what we've realized now is like oh wow um, the city has now grown so much that suddenly where I live and where I work, that's uh, an hour's commute mm. uh, or more in some cases. Mm. Wait a minute, we're doing something wrong here. That's We cannot go any further because otherwise it's going to be two hours of commuting per way. Yeah. Um, and and uh, we see that already with the big cities like Sydney and Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you then um, combine the return, then that's, that's three or four hours of your life every day. Mm. Um, and when we talk about resilience and basically, and that's the key thing of, of Tonsley is really the the sustainability aspect and sustainability I, I i don't just mean using recycled water and, and putting solar panels on a roof it's really um creating a healthy community uh um, that actually 
can work, live and play in one space. And, and where I'm trying to get to now with this is that um, we now saw the trend where cities grow bigger and bigger and bigger. So what we now see as a trend is to create those microcosms within the cities, like mini mm -hmm. cities within the cities, yeah. where um, they are kind of self-sustaining in its own right, where you can actually work, live and play on those spots. If you go to places like Berlin, the, you know, tell me where the city center is. You, you wouldn't really sure. find it. So it's, it's each of those suburbs now it's creating their own villages little, that have their own, own villages in a way, and they're kind of connected in some form. So I think um, uh, when we look at Tonsley and you had this, uh, sorry, uh, Adelaide and, and how we actually grow, you still have the structure of the um, old model, I guess, yeah. um, with the industrial land somewhere outside, mm -hmm. the CBD in the middle, and then it sort of spans across. And and uh, I guess one trend you will see, and you can already see in, in uh, Tonsi with the residential, the classic model of a 800 or more square meter uh, piece of land with your um, single level house on it in the front yard mm -hmm. and the backyard. I guess there will be, you know, you won't have as much of that in the future. I think that's, let's be real about that mm. to create density of the cities. Yeah. Um, but that's again, a trend that actually people want to go as well. So it's not uh, working or fighting against um, the market here or the demand. Um, people want to have uh, more leisure time. They don't want to mourn the lawn here every day and, and, sure. and do these things. And um, and that's one piece. But so what I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, the bigger the cities grow, the more you're sort of uh, creating those those microcosms. And that's the only way, or that's one way how you preserve that uh, proximity aspect that you used mm -hmm. to have. Um, and uh, we have the cases now where people who work in Tonsley actually live there as well. Yeah. But we equally have the, the downsizers who um, kids kids moved out, mm -hmm. um, still living in this big house and now having a nice um, uh, two or three bedroom apartment, um, being close to the train station, being mm -hmm. close to the shops and still uh, five minutes to the beach or 10 minutes to the hills and that sort of thing. So mm. I think, yeah, you know, to have a long answer to your question, how we uh, um, address the, the growth of the cities, I guess um, this little example of Tonsley where, yeah, it's truly about the work, live and play on those six, one hectare side. It's actually a really good example that uh, of, of those future models. It'd be interesting for you coming from from Europe. I lived in Europe for for a while as well, because it is really a different mentality here in Australia. Like the the, the thousand square meter block, square block, and you know the suburbs, owning your house and sort of you know driving to the shops. But it, it, it's quite different to a lot of places in the world, especially in sort of a, um, the a CBD or a city infrastructure um, where you do have sort of high density living, but then spaces that people break out to. So yep. something like a Bowdoin, Plant Four, yep. or a Tonsley, where there is, I suppose, community areas where people Correct. can break out into yep. and enjoy, but not necessarily have you know such a, exactly. a big block. But uh, I'm really interested in it because I think, I think you know you, you lose community to a certain aspect out in the suburbs, and especially when you're commuting an hour in Melbourne and Sydney. You know, it's horrific two hours to work. Like it's it's a significant drain on your on your sort of psychic energy. Not to mention um, you know actual uh, on the earth resources as well. And and the thing is that uh, it has an impact on the on the um, um, yeah on the community as a whole. What, what I'm trying to say is is that. Um, you used to live, or the, the traditional model is that uh, you live there with your neighbors and you may have even worked at the same factory yeah. just down the road. That's and that right. means uh, the people you work with, you know, are the friends where you have the barbecues on mm. um, after work and these things. But 
the, the sad thing is the more you disconnect the work life and the private life yeah. physically in the distance, um, the more the less and the, the more to travel, the less they can actually build their relationships within the neighbor neighborhood, I guess. Yeah. And the less they care about even starting to build a relationship within the office or, or mm. um, work environment. Yeah. And I think that has a, another huge impact. We already see it with the, um, at least in Europe, we can already see that to a certain extent, how uh, people more um, think about themselves rather than contributing to the community. I think uh, mm -hmm. you're trying to have, you know, you have these assets with the, the footy clubs, with the surf life saving clubs and that sort of thing. But um, I, I'm not an expert, but they would probably tell you that um, their numbers are declining as well. And yeah. you, it's not as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a trend against that. Um, at some point, um, I can already see a trend against the big supermarkets with the produce markets yeah. um, from from uh, um, paddock to plate and and uh, yeah. uh, bringing the local context back in, into there. We have that's that's another global trend. So you see those waves where we sort of um, you know rip apart from 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 some traditional models, but then there's sometimes the movements uh, that sort of bring us back again. I think that's. It's like this rubber band that uh, we're always in, and, and um, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's kind of poetic in a way, I suppose. You know, the, the start of the manufacturing industry, that that especially you know vehicles. You know, the the turn of the century, last century, was sort of the start of this. You know, the big industrial boom that big factories and people were getting more spread out, and you know, the American model of you know highways and everybody expanding as opposed to the village where mm -hmm. everybody worked and lived. It's interesting Tonsi's kind of come full circle from that mm. that space where exactly. six and a half thousand people were working and now it's sort of becoming a community. So and that, that's cool. And exactly. And that's actually, if you think about it, that was the car manufacturing for almost 50 years. Yeah. And, mm. um, and um, but in fact, we're actually forming, there's friendships now being formed at, at Tonsley, I think, given the, the shared space we have. And you just talked about the model that we are trying to apply, actually, in fact, where um, you have the the more high density um, buildings and developments, but then like like a Bowden, but then you have the the shared community space, yeah. and uh, and as, as much as um, the model works for residential in Bowden, that's that's kind of what Tons is all about in the, in a sense, because at the end of the day, you might be a small business just having a small pot you're leasing, mm -hmm. but um, you have those all those free shared assets around you, and um, and that's actually. A key thing, what we hear about uh, employer branding, which means attracting talent. Yeah. And um, you need to do a lot these days. Um, if you are like a Sage Automation or somebody down there, if you want to attract the, the smartest and brightest engineers or people, um, you know, they can choose in many ways. Yeah. And, and quite often, mm. speaking of the growth of the city, they come from elsewhere from around the world where mm. you're trying to get the, the best leaders in a certain field to then actually grow your business through that knowledge. Um, that person usually comes with a husband or a wife, maybe one or two kids. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's it's really critical uh, that, and there's always a lot you can do on the paycheck, but uh, what I've already seen, um, or the cases are here for those businesses who move to Tonsley and, and then to say, and by the way, this gave us such an uplift of morale of the people that work here. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helped us in attracting new people because um, we have an attractive space to mm -hmm. offer. But the good news is the business themselves don't need to come up and, and pay for all that space. It's yeah, kind of the right. shared space. And, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's our investment in that sense. And, um, and that's how we see um, such a huge growth of those businesses who, who came 
uh, to Tonsley maybe two or three years ago, um, by now already like like microx are doubling in size physically and with the people, and um, and that's a good sign that um, something's been done right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always do things better, I guess, but um, um, so far, I mean, for us the key currency is the the uh, sustainability, the health and well-being, and uh, um, enjoyment people get out of the space, whether they work there, they research there, or they just bring the kids into uh, to um, uh, have a ride in your Thomas Potter or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, what does the next uh, couple of years hold for for Tonsley? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that's actually a multi-million dollar question, literally, <laughs> uh, yeah, given the high price uh, land we have. Yeah. Um, so, I think. The next stage where we're currently at is really servicing the precinct. Uh, there was a huge focus on um, the main assembly building, the first tenancies. We had some anchor tenants like larger businesses um, outside. Um, I think the current stage we're at is um, the residential community. And as I said, it's less than two months. We have the first people there. Wow. But then um, the next one is the redevelopment of the boiler house, which is this um, quirky facility that used to produce the steam and high voltage power, which we're going to turn into a, a nice uh, microbrewery and, and, and a, oh, cool. a, a beautiful pub in a sense, mm, yeah. um, followed by a retail development. So uh, especially shops and, and things where keep, people can buy their, their, their stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a lot that actually is happening right now. And I might at the car park because currently everybody parks wherever, mm, mm. Um, which Given the site, it used to be a car manufacturing site. Once they went off the production line, that's where they parked the car. Yeah. So parking is free, parking is everywhere, but yeah. um, it has become an issue. And each time we sell a piece of land, people don't have that car park anymore. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, a multi-day car park is another piece. So it's um, that's what I'm saying is sort of the the next two years uh, uh, and three years, uh, uh, a bit of a focus on servicing the precinct and the I'm starting welcoming the the growing uh, residential community, yeah. which means we need to do things um, like I said, produce markets and things we mm-hmm. things we haven't done in the past really because there was no need for it, and yeah. and uh, especially the the first residents we need to make sure they feel yeah. uh, welcomed. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one key piece. The other thing is staying true to the vision. I think um, that is probably by far the most important success factor of Tonsley in, in, uh, so far. As I said earlier, with the product life cycles, the same goes for political life cycles and, and certain trends and whatever is in walk. That means that a lot of precincts failed because there has been a vision set up and then two years later, maybe a new government sure. came in and Lost then it. let's try something else. And, yeah. and, um, and the whole thing uh, went down a train or it has been developed to a certain point and then, yeah, let's go elsewhere and do something new because with any government changes, you're always trying to do things differently or, yeah. or elsewhere and whatnot. Blame the previous government. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. But <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't yeah. matter where around this world. It's 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 just that. And um, staying true to the vision is that um, at the end of the day, people have to understand that as much as we live in a short-term cycle, uh, Tonsley specifically is a is a twenty-year project, mm-hmm. which started in two thousand and twelve. So we still uh, we cut just six seven years in, yeah. um, and when what we said what Tons is all about focusing in those core sectors, focusing actually on manufacturing making stuff that's what we really want to be and, and are known for high mm. value manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, then let's 
let's keep pushing for that. Um, as I said earlier, it's, it's tempting to put another uh, hotel there. It's tempting to put another warehouse storage mm-hmm. facility or other. I mean, we get interested, the most interesting inquiries you can think I of. Can but, imagine, um, yeah. but really being strong and say, nah, we we um, uh, we're not going to do that. We wait for the next to come. It's, it's always a risk, but I think so mm-hmm. far um, that really worked in, in maintaining the vision and uh, staying true to your yeah. um, value proposition overall. Because yeah. what I sell some business owner now um, needs to still be current in two years' time. That's right. Yeah. And, and uh, as soon as I put a, a Bunnings or a McDonald's next to Sage Automation, <laughs> uh, they go, wait a minute. Um, you a what bit, you yeah. sold me there two years ago, three yeah. years ago, uh, wh- whoever business I mentioned there, yeah. um, uh, what are you doing? I'm out. And uh, yeah. the best example of uh, good governance of, and that's another piece of the future of, of Tonsley, is actually transitioning to a governance model that is sort of self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And the best example I or comparison I can give is Olympic parks around the world. Yep. So um, uh, I lived in Munich for a while, and I think the Olympic Games, they were in like 72 or 74, mm-hmm. and uh, people still jump into the same pristine swimming pool right. like uh, many, many decades ago. Yeah. And then at the same time, you hear about the um, Rio Olympics and the roofs collapsing of the stadium and things like that. And uh, because at the end of the day, in Tonsi's case, that's $250 million of our taxpayers' money going into this uh, project mm. um, to hopefully create something which is way more and, and in our case, um, adding another $1 billion of industry investment into that mm. over that period. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you, you, have, you owe something to the community mm-hmm. and uh, making sure you preserve that and not building something and then move on to the next thing and the whole thing starts sort of becoming brittle and collapsing because yeah. um, these things happen and they can happen fairly quickly. So making sure that's not the case is probably the, the key future goal. I think it's exciting and important for us to have long-term visions in place in the state because yeah, the political life cycle is short and it's, in a, you know, it's, it's, it's vicious, you know, it comes up, it goes down, but yep. knowing that there's things happening that are, are sticking true to the initial yep. yeah, value proposition and the values. And one of the things that you sort of been talking about in an undercurrent is I think there's a, you know, there's a growing need with sort of newer generations to align, you know, they, they're more concerned about work-life balance or where they're working why they're working sustainability yeah. actually having some uh, you know value alignment with the people they're working with and why they're working yeah. so creating a sort of a whole ecosystem where that's yeah. possible is yeah. really interesting yeah well and i can tell you that it's uh, just four weeks ago that i moved to a four-day week and i think i want to demonstrate that it works yeah. um, <laughs> two of the four failed so far but um uh, otherwise um yeah i think you're absolutely right um there's, there's again the, the these traditional models on uh, the men worked, wife was at home looking yeah. after mm-hmm. the kids, and and then the grandparents were around uh, nearby. So it's all out the window. Out of the window. Not 2019. Yeah. Out of the window. So how can we can create multi generational um, places actually mm. where those who are retired but are still fit and healthy and they want to still have a purpose in life yeah. mm-hmm. actually then look after the the kids from the the young parents who just migrated to uh, to australia and those things so yeah, there's yeah, sure. yeah. really interesting models and trends that uh, and i can see and, and adelaide is a perfect place I agree. to really embrace that and embrace it and and do yeah. something with it so um that's really cool and i think a key 
takeaway message, what you said earlier, me having an outsider perspective or, or, or coming from, from, from Europe is one recommendation, I guess, for, for Adelaide is, is stay connected and, and, and connect with the world. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I made a, a attempt with that, um, which is now really, um, you know, going much further now where we said, if you, if you create a precinct like Tonsley and you now have 1400 people there and, and, uh, and the more people are coming, you always make sure they're connected. And I've talked about the forum to do that, um, whether just in the physical space or facilitated through events and things. Um, you reach a, 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 a saturation point where, you know, everybody knows everyone and, and, uh, you know, this, the software, um, designer helped the business because they just didn't know how to do it and, and, uh, helping each other out and you, you print a uh, 3D printer part within the uni building and uh, for your prototyping. But I think the real interesting opportunity with places like Tonsley is to use those hubs to connect with other hubs around the world yeah. of the um, the Israel or the the Berlin or, or those places where there's equally interesting things happening. Mm. And, um, and then really um, having this business to business, business to research or research to research exchange using those nodes um, and, and create and facilitate it that way. And I think that's where, um, that's where it gets really interesting because that's where um, each, each place has opened their minds on, on what's happening on the other side or part of the world. And uh, because I think the only thing I, the, the only negative thing I sometimes saw visiting around 100 SMEs each year was they didn't really know what's out there, yeah. what's, what's happening in their industry or in their sector or, or um, the, the products and services. And um, really, I think the key thing for a place like Australia and South Australia in particular is uh, stay connected to the world. Mm. And um, because I think it used to work having, you know, your domestic market and, and, and working in that way. Mm -hmm. But if you think that Australia scratches two to three percent of the world market, for any manufacturer here, it's either export or nothing yeah it's and that's and that's a key thing and, and the only way to achieve that or that's that's the role we're trying to play is do everything we can with this little um uh, precinct to then connect with the world and we, we started this this partnership with uh, with europe um i'm now looking into other countries and places that are equally interesting um just met the uh, ambassador of um just the japanese ambassador to australia cool. uh, this week yeah cool um because they have they're equally interesting in the future of energy um, mm -hmm. aging mobility all those aspects so that's where you can actually look around where um the things that we are interested in and, and space is another good example um what are the cities the places that are well aligned also from a mindset and a cultural point of view that we can actually work and collaborate with each other because um, it's not just about people collaborating within Tonsley or within Adelaide. Let's take the next step, and I think that's the um, the slight disadvantage Australia always had, given being so far Geography, away. Geography, sure. Yeah. But uh, let's embrace technology we have these days while still traveling and seeing face to face is critical. But I think there's now lots that technology can enable us in actually um, bringing things together, and manufacturing is one key part. Um, and we hear those things about Industry 4.0, but people not always understand what that really means. Mm. But it's a, in a simple way, is a really interesting way of uh, connecting um, the value chain around the globe in, uh, in, in making 
things you couldn't do within your own domestic market or country in a, in a certain way. Yeah, and I think really if you can do something to connect those nodes, and I think we live in a connected economy, right? Like yeah. we, so much more so than we did 20 years ago. Yeah. But there's still that a bit of that human disconnect. So I think you can go further to actually facilitate some of that connection. No, I think so. And I guess, as I said earlier with this rubber band where we have uh, trends and then the, the, the movement against the trend mm. is um, uh, the email uh, has taken away a lot of the phone conversations yeah. we used to have yeah, back yeah. then. And, um, and the telephone sort of uh, made writing letters obsolete where you actually uh, had to really think what you, mm. what you say. Uh, and now in the in the Instagram and and uh, social media times, it's it's just you're dumping a lot of content, <laughs> whether you thought about it or not. Yeah. And um, and I think uh, I don't know whether we start writing letters uh, soon, but um, that could be could be maybe a business. I, I, I feel yeah. like there is there, there is a growing resurgence to to it ways of old, you know, and it is mm. coming back to sort of the, this this village mentality of I think if, if if you live in a community, then you're less likely to you know, write some flippant comment on, on Facebook against whoever. If you actually know that person and exactly. you look that person in the eye, then you're not, you know what yeah, I mean? 100%, so, yeah. um, I think, and, and I think that's the uh, having respect for each other, yeah, I think is, is, is a key thing. And um, and in these days on a, on a global sta- scale, we have, uh, or stage, we have even uh, a lot of political leaders that, that should actually um, uh, Show us how it's done. Uh, yeah. Being being a, a global leader, um, there's a reverse leading trend by in example, that. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and leading by example. So um, so I'm I'm just hopeful that um, you know we, we we stay connected and not not moving backwards in a in a way of always yeah. blaming others to make yourself mm. look better. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming down and having a chat. If people That's do good. want to come out and, and check out Tonsi, they can literally drive up and, and come in and have a walk around if they want to. But if they want to find out more information, where, where should they go? Well, if they want more information, maybe just um, Google Tonsley and you might find uh, a website there and some mm-hmm. contact details. Um, yeah, that's probably the easiest way. We have uh, um, just um, updated our YouTube channel a bit. So if cool. you're more like uh, oh, cool, yeah. um, uh, video content, uh, yeah. we now really, given we are a bit grown up now, we've now produced the first um, content um, uh, pieces. So really... Uh, case studies of of the people and for for me personally i rather want to have um those who made a commitment to the site those business owners talk about tonsley and and what they like about it yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. how much value they got out of it um rather than me who um, yes, in, yeah, in, in my normal life is uh, uh trying to sell tonsley in some cases as well. so hopefully this was not too much of a sales pitch today no but uh what you also also should um, know is that uh this is not about some some hype or some uh, desperate desperate attempt to to um, do something differently. It's it's uh, I I really see it as a as a core f- philosophy to create a, a healthy and resilient community. Mm. And that community, I mean, uh, business community, um, science research um, training, um, and and the, the normal resident residents and of of all ages. Yeah. And um, yeah, so far um, I hear good things. So um, let's continue that that trend. I think it's really yeah. exciting. I think it's I think it's I think it's a great thing for the state. So uh, thanks so much for coming down and having a chat. And uh, we'll definitely be back out there soon. Cool. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for coming. Cheers, in. guys. Cheers for listening, guys. Thanks, Christo. Easy. Thank you, David. David says thank you. Uh. <laughs>
We need to get David a microphone one day. I don't think it's going to help. I don't think he's going to say anything. Really? I reckon he will. David, thank one. you. Thank you, David. Damn it. No, not going to happen. Guys, if you enjoyed that podcast, we have a lot of... Po- I mean, how many do we have now? Over 120, I Podcasts? Think. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea, to be honest. I think there's a lot. I think we've got over 120. It's a lot. Um, we've been doing it for like a year and a half now. Please subscribe. There's uh, some really great content in there. Um, I'd love you to go back and have a listen to some of the other chats that we've had. Mm-hmm. There's a few bad ones in there probably as well. Definitely some bad ones, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a learning process. You learn and grow. Exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers, guys. Bye.